welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. Isham invites you to log on, listen, and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome, Isham Nation, to the Process This podcast. This is episode number 16. It's great to be here with you again. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down and talking with the new Isham president, Brian Reynolds. But before we talk to Brian, we have the segment, What's On My Mind, followed by Mailbox Mania. It's a great show, so let's not waste any more time, and let's get into What's On My Mind. Today on What's On My Mind, I'm going to spend some time talking about the Isham Virtual Conference. This is a new and innovating experience for both Isham and for you. So the virtual conference opened May 22nd, and it's going to continue to be open until July 20th. So plenty of time for you to sit down, register, explore everything it has to offer. Uh, Let's go ahead and take some time and navigate what you're going to find in the virtual conference. So once you enter the site, you're going to be able to engage virtually with educators, exhibitors, sponsors, and other peers. Now, the virtual conference site is designed to provide you with easy access to a wide array of educational topics, products and services, and new approaches, basically all things sterile processing related. So you're going to be able to navigate the website through Uh, basically six different pathways and these pathways are going to be uh, tabbed in the green bar at the top of the page. Now I'm going to briefly go ahead and explore each of these tabs and kind of give you a sample of what you're going to find. So the first tab is the educational sessions. So in this tab you're going to have access to on-demand video sessions that can be accessed at any point during the virtual conference up to that end date which is July 20th. Now, these sessions are available when you have the time to listen in. And that's what's great about it is you can you can listen in anytime uh, up to July 20th. Uh, so let's let's talk about some of the, the good topics that they have. And I'm going to highlight some of those. Uh, first is demystifying standards. And this is a journey into the newly released Amy standards and TIRs. Now, the learning objectives for this Explain what AMI standards and technical information reports are, and then why they're important and how they're developed and maintained. Uh, Next, it's going to highlight the changes and updates to the AMI ST79, the 2017, and the new edition of ST91, and then go into other new and revised AMI documents uh, that are important to sterile processing. And then last, it's going to describe what's on the horizon for new and revised standards and TIRs, and then show how sterile processing professionals can add to their expertise. It's always good to be up to date with those standards, so that's a good one to check out. Uh, Next one, endoscope drying. A detailed look at method effectiveness and microbial levels. So the objectives for this uh, session describe the importance of drying endoscope channels during reprocessing, Discover outcomes related to drying studies regarding dryness and microbial growth. And then last, explain the terms HEPA circulation and instrument-grade air regarding standards for endoscope channel drying. 
again, a great topic, especially if uh, you're in the business of reprocessing endoscopes. Another session offered the Optimal Sterile Processing Department, blending technology with expertise. Now this is presented by the ECRI folks, uh, Scott Lucas and Gail Horvath, who are both friends of the Isham Nation and this podcast. The learning objectives for that session Describe technologies to consider adding to your still processing department. Discuss how to demonstrate optimal sterile processing equipment to senior leadership. And then explain the importance of sterile processing staff being involved in decisions around purchasing equipment. So great topic. And then last and a particularly relevant topic is protective clothing and the titles all gowns are not created equal. And the learning objectives describe PPE regarding protective equipment in healthcare, define regulations, guidelines, and standards for gowns, and then last, provide considerations for selecting appropriate gowns for sterile processing professionals and other healthcare workers and understand the limitations of use. These sessions and more are available to you to rack up some CEs and they provide great education. Now the next tab you're gonna find is the Isham Live tab. Now this is a pretty cool one. So the week of June 8th through the 12th, and then the week of July 6th through the 10th, Isham will stream live events from exhibitors and sterile processing education. There will be product focused demos and other opportunities to obtain even more of those CEs. For example, Uh, The lineup on June 12th, which I believe is a Friday, there are several vendors giving presentations such as uh, 3M folks, Skytron, Key Surgical, uh, North State Vision Tech, just to name a couple of those, and then a live educational session presented by Corey Ofsted and John Island, and that's titled Flexible Endoscope Safety, Evidence-Based Advocacy for Quality Management. Now, If you've never heard Corey and John speak, you're in for a treat because they always bring it and they have great information. Again, those live events are from June 8th through the 12th and July 6th through the 10th. Check it out. There is something every day during those weeks. Now the next tab is titled Expo Expo, right? So the Expo Expo tab. So if you've never attended a conference, It's always a challenge to try to navigate the in-person exhibit hall. And although the virtual expo can't replace those face-to-face connections that you have, Isham has tried to simplify the process of connecting the products you need with the vendors who can provide them for you. Now you can search with uh, specific products or even service types in mind or visit the vendor pages for a quick click of their name. Now this page, has a list of all the vendors and I've checked out a few and it seems that uh, most of the vendors have a video or two uh, that are pretty cool. So, you know, not only do they have the videos, but they also provide brochures and other product information. So uh, it's a good tab to check out. And then next tab is the fun fact finders. Now this is a game and the game is designed to bring sterile processing professionals like you to uh, the companies that help improve sterile processing industry. The game starts June 3rd. It looks like a lot of fun. Once you finish the game card and you submit it and you get a score of 100%, you will be entered into a raffle to win prizes. The next tab 
uh, is the peer-to-peer -peer poster tab. Now this is one of my personal favorites of the conference. Um, and it's my favorite because we have lots of innovative folks out there in sterile processing. And I like to see the different ways that folks have really strived to make improvements within their department, within sterile processing. And, you know, this is kind of the venue for those folks through a poster presentation. And we have over 50 uh, posters in this tab. So check it out. And then last is the access point. Right from here, you have access to the conference materials like the session handouts, conference CE information, and other program information. So all in all, I think this is a great program. It's well put together. I've enjoyed the few educational sessions that I've gotten to listen to. And like I said, I've, I've looked at some of that vendor information, so it's really good. Again, really well put together. And I, I really can't wait for those live events. So if you haven't registered yet, it's not too late. Go ahead, get on the ISHM uh, homepage and register for the conference. That's going to do it uh, today for what's on my mind. Most of the time, I talk about an article in this segment uh, from one of the publications that I frequently, frequently receive in the mail. Um, but today, I'm going to highlight a piece from the Isham's Digital Newsletter Insights, which is available through email. Now, I thought this was relevant information, especially since most of the country is now beginning that process of starting up elective surgeries. You know, once again, we've, we've had a break and a lot of you folks are, are really starting that process now. So this article is in the May 13 issue of the Insights. And the title is Sterile Processing Tips for Restarting Elective Surgery Support. And this is written by Natalie Lynn, the Education Director. Now, I usually don't read the entire article to you, but I'm going to make an exception this time because I feel it's good information and really everyone should hear it. And then again, as always, if there's something that sticks out to you, you can always find that information in the May 13 Insights. The article reads, many healthcare facilities that suspended elective surgery during the first weeks of the pandemic are really gearing up to resume those procedures. Obviously, there will be a backlog of cases, and a push to catch up as soon as possible, which can put significant strain on the sterile processing department. Fortunately, there are some things that may make the ramp up go a little more smoothly. So what follows are a few things to consider. So first, the physical work area. Um, cleaning. Make certain the entire work area is clean and ready to go. Conduct rounds throughout the department and those work areas to identify any issues and resolve them as soon as possible. Equipment readiness. Check equipment and schedule any needed repairs. Make certain all reprocessing equipment is available to ensure timely turnaround of instrumentation. You know, for me, I think checking uh, equipment for PMs that might be past due. Make sure you run your tests prior to any processing. It's really going to help you. Uh, find those errors before you start processing. Supplies, uh, so outdates, check any items uh, with expiration dates to ensure that those supplies are within the expiration date and are ready to use. Inventory, 
Ensure all supplies are stocked and adequate backup stock is available. Work with the materials management department to attain current information and develop a plan. And that, that goes with uh, procedure supplies, use surgery forecast to determine whether the supply inventory is ready for the increased caseload, operational supplies, use anticipated case volumes to determine whether current operational supplies will be adequate, check for changes in inventory, substitutions due to shortages may be possible, you know, if there have been changes, notify users and provide any education to the needed sterile processing staff. Identify possible shortages. Again, identify any items on back order and make alternate plans if possible. Notify any of those impact departments or users. And then instruments, uh, especially repair and replacements. If instruments need repair or replacement, Take the necessary steps to have them ready for that uptick in cases. You know, a full and functioning inventory of instruments only enhances service to the operating room and it may reduce uh, turnarounds. Endoscopes. Uh, check endoscopes and storage to ensure that they are within their uh, process shelf life. If they need reprocessing, complete that before the surgeon cases begin. Instrument tray readiness. Be sure all necessary instrument trays are set up and sterilized prior to starting cases. Predict and plan. Use forecast schedules to help identify possible service issues such as overlapping instrument needs and loan instrument plans. Work with the OR and the endoscopy folks to develop a plan to address those issues before they become a problem. Address the status of any staff members from sterile processing that have been loaned to other departments. So if a sterile processing professional has been loaned out to another department, notify these departments of the need to return those sterile processing staff to sterile processing. Some departments may not want to return the staff right away as their volumes may still be high. Be sure the departments are aware of the plan and know they will need to recover necessary services uh, when those employees return to the department. Address any educational needs. If policies and procedures have changed, ensure all staff members know about the change and have been trained if necessary. Remember, some staff members may be returning from furlough and may have missed the changes when they first occurred. Focused on communication. Good communication will help prevent errors and frustration. Work on a plan, a formal plan, to ensure that user departments and work areas within sterile processing are aware of plans, situations, and changes. Several short huddles throughout the shift may help. Also designate facilitators in sterile processing and the OR who can gather and disseminate information and work out issues. Uh, that may also be helpful during these busy times. Stress a team approach. The busiest times require the strongest teams. Just remember, everyone's been through a difficult time and experience and may have emotions that are fragile. Stress the importance of supporting team members and set a good example. Discuss possible needs for additional hours for stress processing staff as workload demands it. Right. Use the data provided in surgery and the endoscopy department to inform administration of the increased workload. 
Compare anticipated needs to normal staffing and develop a plan to handle increased workload. Notify sterile processing professionals that extra hours may be needed. Look for a way to notify staff of additional needed hours and develop a fair way to distribute those hours. Prioritization. Hold non-emergent projects. If possible, consider putting a hold on non-emergent projects and use additional staff time to meet the additional workload demand. Set a tentative date for the resumption of projects. Use facilitators between sterile processing and user departments to help ensure that processes run smoothly. Set up people and processes to facilitate the sharing of information and ensure that the needs are prioritized. Reduce meeting times. If possible, reduce routine meeting times during peak workloads. Provide staff with routine information through employee email or posted notices. Reduce management meeting times. Communication between managers and other departments is critical. However, consider postponing non-critical agenda items and addressing only current needs to enable managers to dedicate more time to their departments and employees. Additional considerations if equipment has uh, been shut down or idle. If the department has been closed and the water has been sitting in the water lines, the line should be run to remove old stagnant water from the system. If sterilizers and automatic washers have been shut down or left to idle for long periods of time, contact the sterilizer or washer manufacturer for advice. Sterilizer performance may be affected by a shutdown. Check with the facility maintenance department regarding steam quality. An interruption in the steam supply, which can be caused by a shutdown or disruption of continued use, may adversely affect the steam quality. There could also be a buildup of residual water in the steam lines that could flush through the system on restart. Also check with facility maintenance to ensure the electrical system is safe and functional. If concerned about qualification testing due to sterilizer shutdown, refer to the Amy ANSI ST79 standards. So the best way that sterile processing can respond to the increased workload is to ensure that staff members are available prepared for any changes, instruments are complete, and equipment is fully functional and ready to go. Being proactive will ensure the best outcomes when backlog elective surgeries resume. So there you have it, some great advice for sterile processing for restarting elective surgery. And that's going to do it for this segment of Mailbox Mania. Our guest speaker today is the new president of Isham. Brian Reynolds. Welcome to the show, Brian. All right, Brian. Well, thank you for joining the Process This podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. For example, where do you work? What do you like to do in your free time? Um, I work at the West Palm Beach VA Medical Center as the Assistant Chief of Sterile Processing. Been here for eight years, going on nine years in August. And in my spare time, I enjoy hanging with my friends and listening to music just staying out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into the field of sterile processing? Um, originally, I was going to school for nursing, and um, I had gotten my CNA certificate, and I was doing it. And back when I was doing it, um, they 
pretty much told us that um, they were downsizing some things and they were, we were going to take on other jobs as well. And sterile processing was one of the jobs that they had us doing. Well, materials management and sterile processing because it was both. And um, I did both in between not having patients on the floor. They had us doing sterile processing. I started doing it and I started liking what I was doing. So I took my first certification class years ago and I got my, um, that was when they would tell you which parts you miss. So I got my certification back then and then I went through a vocational school that also did it and I've been in it ever since. Great. So what made you decide to get into leadership and sterile processing? <laughs> um, for a long time, I always ended up working two jobs. So I worked in sterile processing as a tech, and I also worked in retail management and also restaurant management. So I was doing it there on the outside of the hospital system. But when I worked in the hospital system, I was just a tech. One day, I had applied for a job because I started doing the retail management full time and I was per, um, per diem at the hospital. And I just, I got burned out. I got tired of the long hours. I got tired of um, just going from store to store because whenever a store manager left or went to a different place, if they wanted you to go with them, they took you. So you moved around a lot. So I did a lot of different stores for Walmart in the Orlando area. And I just got tired of the changing different stores every time the manager leaves or if that person leaves, they want to take you with them. And it just, it, it, it was just tiresome. So I went back into the um, healthcare arena full time and I just applied for a tech position. Two days of me applying for the tech position, I got offered the supervisor position, well, supervisor slash manager position, and I took it. And that was 20 some years ago. The rest yeah. is history, huh? Yeah. What do you like most about working in sterile processing? A lot of people say that it's the same job every day, and it isn't, because you never know whose lives you're going to touch. You don't know what aspect you actually have on that person's mindset on, or if they lead better than they came. Once I started doing it, and and at some point in my career, it just became a career and not just a job. And I love the fact that, you know, I've had family members that have went into the hospital and had surgeries and different things and them not understanding the aspect of things that go on behind the scenes. So it just, you, you tend to love it even more. I mean, I like nursing, but that wasn't where my heart was. My heart stayed with this because I like being able to make the change. And truth of the matter is, you know, a lot of times we're not paid what we should be paid for what we do. Sure. And the good part about it is, for me, it's more than just the money. It's being able to make a difference in someone else's lives without actually being that person that's in their face. A lot of times behind the scenes, there's a lot of people that are behind the scenes that get things done and make things work and make sure that everything is okay. And for me, doing this behind the scenes is that type of thing. You know, we're, we're, we're those unsung heroes that make sure that the patients are fine and that they have everything that they need. And when they go into the surgery, that everything that they need in order to be successful is there. So let's change gears a little bit. How long have you served on the Isham Executive Board? Um, this will be my fourth year. 
Okay. And as an executive board member, what type of things do you do throughout the year? Pretty much we talk about um, the direction of where we want to see the chapter and the organization go. The focus of the last couple of years have really been trying to make sure that the chapters in each particular different state feels as though they are a part of the bigger cohesiveness of Isham. And just being there to answer the questions and things that they may need so that they don't hit those same walls and pitfalls that the rest of us have done over the years to get to the point of where we are to be successful. So I think just the growth of of the organization within itself and just being transparent about what we're doing and the direction of where we're trying to go and just giving everybody an opportunity to be able to be a part of it is something that we've really been focusing on and trying to get done. Um, and hopefully this year I can do a little bit more with that. It's going to be kind of hard because you can't be face to face, but. Yeah, it's a little different this year with the, the COVID virus. Uh, you guys don't mm-hmm. get to meet face to face as you normally would. So right now, are you, are you doing zoom meetings or team meetings or some sort of, how are you communicating with your other um, board members? We haven't yet. Our next meeting, I think it's either the 28th or the 29th. And it's going to be on a phone call, and then from there we'll decide on how we're going to go moving forward. But it's probably going to end up being Zoom meetings because um, I know in my organization I can't do any traveling. <laughs> the VA has put us on a, on a um, a travel ban restriction, so there you have it. Gotcha. I mean, personally, I can probably do what I want to do, but when I come back, I'm gonna have to be going, and I, I don't just don't want to go through all of that. So, well, I, I don't believe it's you. just easy to wait. Sure. (laughs) It's just easy to wait until they lift it for us to do what we need to do. Yeah. So when did you decide that you wanted to run for Isham president? Um, this actually was my fourth time running. Oh, okay. Um, after the third one, due to some different things, I kind of thought it was depleted and I just really didn't want to do it. And, um, one of my mentors called and talked to me and, you know, like they said, you know, you've come too far. You've done too many things not to be there to try to help and pull other people just like yourself forward. So with that being said, I said, okay. And I don't I, I don't know who nominated me. I know I didn't nominate myself. I nominated <laughs> other people. Um, but someone um, nominated me. And the funny thing about it is I'm, I'm a firm believer of this. What God has for you is for you. The year, This particular year that I won president-elect, um, I ran unopposed, which was shocking, <laughs> and it was uh, I was I was stood in disbelief. Like, are you serious? But you know, it was it was it was it was a moment. You know, in front of everyone, I didn't show anything, but behind closed doors, I was like, "Are you serious? <laughs> Did this really just happen?" So you know, I'm grateful and I'm thankful. Well, we're we're glad that you stuck with it, and then we're glad that you're representing Isham this year. What excites you most about serving as president? Looking at the nuances of what everyone thought it would be, like, for instance, I've been doing this for a long time, but Isham wasn't something that was on my radar. You know, I just did what I needed to do in my local area, pretty much in my state, to try to make sure that we were being seen and viewed as professionals. So I never really thought about it to that level. And sometimes... You know, not knowing and not being a part of something, you have your own beliefs of what you think situations are. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I can never do that. Or, oh, it's only the people that's always out speaking and different things of that nature. So 
I'm a true testament that you don't have to be a person that's presenting in order to do what you need to do to be a part of an organization or to at least fight for what you believe in. And, you know, what I, I, I mean, for the most part, I, what I hope that other people will see from this is don't always give up on your first, second, or third chance. Keep trying because you can't make a difference if you don't toss your hat in the ring. And if you're not pushing forward and being able to stand there and make the decisions and also have a voice in, in, in the process, then you can't expect for too much to change. What advice would you give to anyone who aspires to be on the Isham Board of Directors or even one day president like you? Stay true to who you are. Never quit. And regardless of what everyone else says, do what you feel in your heart that's best for the masses and not just for self. The Isham Annual Conference is really one of the biggest events that Isham puts on. But because of the COVID virus this year, the conference had to be canceled. What do you miss most about not being able to attend the conference? Just being able to see people and and for for most of us it's it's a great learning experience to be able to get out and 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 see and talk to and meet different people in the industry that have gone through some of the things and the hardships that you've gone through, and they pretty much open doors that you sometimes have a hard time getting through mm-hmm. um just being able to get that information and and seeing new things based on the vendor shows and things of that nature because, excuse me, a lot of my bosses, you can send them the information all day long, but when they see it, being able to feel it and touch it and being able to ask those questions right then and there has been a godsend to be able to get certain things changed and being able to get um, different processes and different equipment that Mm -hmm. we may need in the facility to do things. So I miss that the most. And then for myself, everybody knows that I, I, for me, it's a reason to go shopping and I dress two or three. Different, I put on two different, two or three different outfits every single day. So, those little things that I miss the most. Nice. All right, last question, Brian. What excites you most about the next two years as you serve as president and then continue to serve as the past president? Being a part of effective change, affecting change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a lot of things that we had discussed and that we talked about that we were going to possibly do to help out the chapters that were um, hitting the roadblocks, including my own chapter. You know, a lot of it is everybody says, I want to be a part of it and I want to do this and I want to do that. But then when you move out of the wing, you step outside of that arena to allow other people to do it. They stand and just looking around like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So a lot of us are having problems getting getting people to be a part of this. So if you do walk away, well, not, I ain't going to say walk away. At some point, we all retire or we do other things or we experience other aspects of our lives. And when yeah. you do that, you pray and hope that, uh, that, that there will be someone who can take the torch and run with it and handle it and make the situation better. And a lot of times that's not the case. But I think a lot of it is that when you walk into a situation and you don't make people feel welcome and you don't make them feel wanted, they're not going to do it because they feel like, okay, well, if I mess this up, then this is going to be said or something's going to be done and things of that nature. So um, in my own experience, 
what I've learned is that when you welcome people in and you make them feel like they're a part of it and that it's not just yours, it's ours, then they're going to, they're going to, they're going to treat it as such. They're going to treat yeah. it like it's theirs. You know, when you walk into something and it's like, for, for instance, you work for Hisham, but I'm sure that when you deal with certain things, you make the people that you encounter that deal with what you deal with when it comes to Hisham, you make them feel welcome. Like this is a part of them or this is their organization or mm-hmm. their chapter. And I just feel like that's one of the things that I'm really trying to do is make people feel like they're inclusive and not just being a part of something. You can be a part of anything, but if you don't stand up and speak and voice your opinion and things of that nature and and just making sure that they're heard. A lot of people say things and they don't get responses or they'll make a suggestion about something and they feel like if, if they're not, if there's no response to it, if they don't receive another email, it's like, you just become another number and we get that every day at work. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I would really, you know, want to aspire to do is to make all of our constituents feel as though they are a part of something greater. Well, great. We look forward uh, to this year as you serve as president. Um, well, thank you. So one of the, one of the big things when you're, when you become president is on the last day of the conference, there's this, uh, passing of the gavel, this tradition mm-hmm. that happens. And and you didn't get that this year. So from the Isham Nation podcast and from all of us at Isham and the members out there, congratulations on your presidency. Um, and you. we look forward to seeing what happens this next year. Me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Brian. All right. You have a good one, sir. You too. Thank you, Brian, again for speaking with us today. Isham Nation Episode 16 is in the books. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to get your CE. To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes, fill out the required information, and select the code Isham Live. The code for this episode is Isham Live. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode, always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode is on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. As always, stay classy, Isham Nation, and we'll see you next time.